All right. Well, thank you for coming on, Adam. This hey, James. Was... I got. I got. I got. So I need to toot my own horn. Every podcast, I have to toot my own horn. So, okay. I got one question for you, James. If you, because I got it, I got to say stuff like this because I'm retired. People are going to forget. We can't have that, James. If okay. you had to guess, in my pickleball career, how many times combined in tournament play, I have beaten Tyson, Riley, and Ben. What would you say? who I've seen on YouTube about maybe <laughs> 10 times more than I've seen play in person. Uh, <laughs> the pickleball nerd I am. I've seen a lot of the, a lot of the bar and stone uh, YouTube battles. And um, yeah, so he's a uh, co-host on it feels right. My favorite, now my second favorite podcast in, in pickleball aside from my own. And uh, yeah, I had to get him on the pod. So welcome to, welcome to the pod. Happy to be here. I got, I mean, I got no notes. I'm not worried about anything. I'm just here enjoying myself. So I'm ready to rock, James. Yeah. Oof, all the pressure's on me then. Okay. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Well, I want to know, uh, let's start with a little more about how you got started in pickleball. Cause you're, you're a veteran, a legend of the game. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with that. That sounds perfect. Uh, I, I guess it's probably, uh, six and a half years ago. So my my dad had recently retired. I was living in Dallas at the time. I went down to Houston to hang out with my parents and my mom was just trying to get my dad out of the house. Some of uh, both my parents play tennis. And so some of their, they're older. So some of their friends had started transitioning over to pickleball for a variety of reasons. And so um, we just went to the, the rec center and played, uh, Turned it was decent at it. Went back to Dallas, find found the best game in town, which was uh, Dave Fleming's game, uh, another Selkirk uh, senior pro. And after I found that group that was, you know, pretty solid for a lot of four fives, and, and you know, Dave probably being the only true five zero there, I went back back down to Houston, and turns out there was a, a gentleman by the name of Muhammad Massaqua, who had been playing high level pickleball for a while. I got hooked up with his group and trained for a handful of months. And then he got me hooked up with Simone and Kyle. And I was pretty free at the time because I was playing uh, professional poker. No, no significant other, no kids, nothing like that. Next day, I just drove 16 hours to Florida uh, to practice and see how I stacked up against, against Simone and Kyle. Okay, well, you were uh, so. Tell me a little bit about your poker, because I was a, <laughs> uh, I was a bit of a, you know, I, I've I've probably played for wasted three thousand, four thousand hours of my life playing poker in casinos when I was seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Played a lot of cash games. Um, I like to think that I'm up overall, but I think I'm probably not up overall. <laughs> um, yeah, I was a, uh, I was a, I was a pretty good one-two player, and then when when I got into the two-five, I just felt kind of like, uh, you know, not good. Felt like I was being targeted. I, I was the guy that was just, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so, what was the extent of your pick of your um, your poker career? Uh, wow. Um, so I I was going to school at the University of Texas at Tyler. I played tennis there for my last two years of school. And one of my buddies, it, it was kind of the poker boom at that time. They had, you had Chris Moneymaker was coming on ESPN a lot. So what we did is we just played $20 tournament, $20 buy-in tournaments. We'd have two tables, uh, 20 people, and we did it almost every night. And I, I, I mean, I have a pretty addictive personality. So, uh, I mean, I got, I got pretty obsessed pretty quickly. Uh, and so basically, turns out just like pickleball, I kind of moved up the ranks a little bit, had some success with my buddies. And turns out that there was basically an entire home game cash game circuit in Tyler. Every day there was a game at someone's house. Uh, you know, I would say Tyler's a nice town, but there's not a ton to do there. Uh, so um, poker made a lot of sense. And so 
after I finished school, I basically stayed on to be the uh, graduate assistant and then the full-time assistant tennis coach. And then I would supplement coaching tennis is awesome. Teaching tennis a little less fun. Um, so being, being one of the guys, being on the team, that was great. Only downfall is doesn't really pay a lot. So I was supplementing my un- income with poker. And then after a couple of years, I was just, I was just giving up too much, too much money by, by uh, coaching. So I just went full time into, into, into poker and uh, Shreveport, Louisiana was about two hours away. So there was casinos there and then home games and, uh, and Tyler and yeah, just ended up doing that for about a decade. Whoa, a decade. Yeah, I did. I did it full time for a decade. Yeah. And then. Okay. Yeah. And then I found and I, I was getting tired of it. It's it, it's it's the freedom. It's cool. You're playing a game for a living, but it kind of went from game to job. And uh, yeah, for I, that it started long. to wear. Yeah, it's it definitely it started to wear me down a little bit. There's some pitfalls with it, you know, weird sleep schedules, you know, occasionally some unsavory people around around the pickleball. I mean, poker scene, even though there's a lot of good people in it as well. So uh yeah, so that's when I found pickleball, and I was I was ready to make the transition, and so I did. Yeah, I mean that's um, it's funny because that that ten years I don't know how long that ten years felt like because when I would play, it felt like uh, I'd be in there for like six hours, and I'd walk out, it'd be it'd be like dark outside, or it'd be light outside, and I would be confused. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, what? It feels like it's been an hour and a half. Right. And, uh, yeah. yeah so I would day. say like at the beginning, I could play like. 20 hours straight and just not get bored at all just 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 go for it you know and then by the end I'd be at the table for like an hour and I wanted to kill myself so uh it was time to make a switch of some sorts and so so pickleball came around at the perfect time wow yeah I mean I guess that makes sense because once you kind of I guess the fun element of it gets taken out when you're always trying to make the right decision it's just kind of playing the percentages and um yeah I mean it's a it's a it's a hard way to make an easy living, as they say, James. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> many people know this. I think you might know this. You're my favorite commentator in the game. Oh, uh, well, thank you, James. Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of competition, to be fair. There's <laughs> like, you know, I mean, there's there's uh, maybe six or seven people that commentate. Um, but I think you're the best at it. Anna agrees. A lot of people think that. Um what is your situation? Because I know last year you were commentating for the APP. This year, I don't even know. Yeah, what's your what's your situation right now? Hey, well, I appreciate those kind words, James. All you people listening, hear that, hear that. Um, yeah, so I, I was, I did do um, some, some APP uh, uh, commentating at the end of last year. And obviously, there has been a change in the dynamic on the APP tour uh, in a variety of ways, not just uh, the player pool, but also some 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 cutbacks with the production and uh, uh, the amount of production they're doing. So I am not going to be involved in any of the APP. I will be commentating uh, Major League Pickleball uh, all four days. Uh, Thursday for the challenger and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the premiere. And then I believe both finals on Sunday, a uh, challenger and premiere. How did I not know that? <laughs> is that, is that That's a great humor? question. That's a, it's a great question. That's what like people, people ask me rules questions sometimes like tournament rules questions. I'm like, well, I've been playing pro for six years, but I, I don't know that. <laughs> yeah. So, they change. <laughs> um, and then I'm also, uh, I just had a, uh, a call with Bob Wyland which is the uh, kind of the director of talent for the tennis channel. And they're going to be taking over a lot of the PPA uh, kind of scheduling and, and putting, putting the uh, commentators together and, and those kind of things. So uh, I will be doing some form of, of PPA commentary. I'm just not quite sure what that's going to be yet. I should find out in the, in the next week or two, probably. Okay. Well, um, I think that you, I think my dream commentator duo would probably be, well, maybe you and Rob, but Rob's hopefully going to be playing. Maybe you and Morgan Evans. I think Morgan yeah. Evans brings, uh, yeah, you two would be good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I don't think you're, I, th- I think you're, you should be commentating for the PPA. I think the APP just doesn't deserve you right now. You know, it's not, <laughs> it's like. Keep talking, you know, James. Yeah, I mean, Lauren is great and, and Dominic is great. They're great 
great people, but I think you're just on another level. It's just a different level of, of, uh, yeah, I might, might have to cut that part out, but uh, no, not, yeah. not at all, James, not a chance. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think Morgan's great. He's uh, he, you know, he's been around the game a long time. He's, he's quick witted, obviously. Uh, I'm jealous of the accent. Um, and uh, I actually heard a little bit of uh, Kyle McKenzie. And I think, I, I think K-Mac is solid. He's got a good, a good kind of analytical mind. I've had some really good in-depth pickleball talks with him and he, he, he's a former poker player as well. So we're kind of, kind of on the same page with our thought process. And I think he's going to be looking to do a little bit more uh, commentary as well, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's definitely not settled in terms of, you know, uh, uh, yeah, who, who are going to be the guys in, in the commentary booth moving forward. But um, there's definitely a lot more talent out there in terms of commentary than there was a couple years ago. So uh, I, I'm excited. Whoever, whoever I get paired with, I'm excited for it. Yep. Well, we actually had uh, we had Rob in town. I think, well, he's still in town. He's doing the mm -hmm. Boca. Mm -hmm. It's not an APP, I guess. It's just the Boca tournament. Boca something. Um, yeah, it's um, it, Carl Foster. Do you know who Carl Foster is? But anyway, he bought that tournament. So he was somehow connected with the APP last year. And so uh, I believe that he purchased it or somehow took over the tournament as his own kind of private entity. And uh, so it is no longer affiliated with the APP, uh, even though it was last year. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was there. I was there yesterday and... Um... It was the end of singles day. It wasn't like the, it wasn't like nighttime. It was like five o'clock, you know, four o'clock. Maybe there's people that should be there. And I was walking by center court and there was like seven people. It was the most dead. It was, um, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was depressing. Yeah, was no, depressing. I mean, there's, there's a lot of tournaments to choose from. And I know that, you know, Boca is a pretty hot bed for pickle, but, uh, you know, maybe, Maybe because it wasn't affiliated with one of the tours, uh, people kind of passed it by a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's that it's it, I mean, it's it's kind of sad as a, a player. I mean, you when when, when it's kind of dead or uh, there's not a lot of, you know, a lot of vibe with the crowd. I think it I think it leaks over to the players sometimes. So, uh, yeah, having having a good crowd and a good energy, uh, especially on your main court, I think is important for a tournament. Yeah, I mean, it's um, well, either way, though, I mean, I hope. I hope things get uh, a little better with with that because it's tough when I when I'm playing and there's nobody there. It's just I don't know if I play worse. I don't really know if it affects my play, but it definitely affects my experience. I mean, I, I feel like it's uh, it's because you as a player, you want to think that you're not really too focused on the crowd. You want to think that you're kind of locked in on the match. But if you know, you know, who's watching, you know, if there's if there's nobody there and it just kind of makes me feel like I'm playing like a rec game or, or something of that nature. It's not a. Not the same, but, but either way, you know, we had, we had Rob here and, um, he's a good guy. We, we got some good games in. we actually bonded over our, um, you know, I have, I had this progression where I started and my favorite event was singles. Mm -hmm. And then about three months in my favorite event became mixed. And recently my favorite event has become men's and he was, we were talking about it. We were, we were, uh, it was me, Gabe, Rob, and JW. We were on one court. And then on the other court, it was like Georgia, Anna, um, I forget who else. And they were like, you guys want to play some mixed games? And I look at Rob, I'm like, mm, no, I don't think I do. <laughs> I mean, James, you, you know what the best mixed practice is, right? Men's. Men's doubles. That's right, baby. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really, uh, it was funny because I used to love, and I, I mean, I still love mixed, but it's not, uh, men's is just... It's it's my favorite game, and and I, I think that um, I kind of want to get your take on that too, because you were I don't want to say like a men's specialist, but that was the event that you had the most success in on a consistent basis. Um, so yeah, what's your take on like is that your uh, favorite? I mean, I, I think that's probably exactly what I was. Uh, so well, er, early on, I had some pretty good singles results, but I I, I scrapped the singles game pretty quickly. Uh, not only because I was going deeper in the doubles draw, but because people got a lot better too. So it was kind of, it was kind of a both situation, kind of body preservation for, for deep runs and doubles. Uh, and I, I've had some sprinkled in mixed success as well. 
but yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just a little limited. So I, I can, you know, I can put pressure, you know, when I'm on the left, I can put pressure in the middle of the court with my forehand, but I, it's tough for me to cover, you know, I, I just, I just don't have the length of some of you guys and I have decent footwork, but I just can't cover court and put pressure and cover behind me. Like some of the, the better longer players out there. So I think that some of my maybe physical limitations are less of an issue in men's. And so that's probably why I've had a little bit more success uh, in the men's doubles. And I definitely enjoy it the most. Uh, A lot of of mixed is just maybe like, you know, putting on maximum pressure, kind of overwhelming a situation, uh, being a big physical presence where men's doubles is a little more strategy. And, And I'm not there's plenty of strategy and mixed. There's a lot with the court positioning and, and all different kinds of things. But when you, when you get, when you get four, four dudes at the kitchen line with quick thunderous counterattacks, you, you, you better have some strategy to what you're doing. Cause if, if, if you're, if you're firing away or, or you're uh, making bad choices, uh, you're, you're going to pay the price big time. So uh, yeah, definitely my, favorite iteration of the game even though everything's fun yeah and i think that if i'm practicing a lot of mixed for whatever reason it kind of starts to bleed into my men's game and i start to make dumb decisions mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that could just be a me problem but i uh yeah i mean yeah oh sorry yeah i, no, I, was, I was just gonna say I, yeah i know <laughs> that was funny uh yeah i know exactly what you're saying because i think an optimal strategy a lot of times is mixed is literally just start the fire on not an absolutely horrible ball. Like it it could be a very mediocre attack, but we're just going to start the firefight and trust our hands. Uh, You start attacking too many very, you know, mediocre shots and men's, you know, you're going to get a, a deckle thunder punch to your Adam's apple. So uh, <laughs> that, that that's the difference. And, and I think you're exactly right. Uh, it's important to separate those two. And sometimes that's not always uh, incredibly easy. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because I think men's is cool because it's like, especially if you're playing against a guy like, you know, me and Tyson were playing J-Dub and Dylan uh, at this past tournament and we won the first game. Mm-hmm. And um, next two games, we didn't win, but uh, it was closer than I was even like afraid. Like I was afraid we were going to get rolled. Me and- <laughs> yeah, I know. And uh, we didn't get rolled. And it's like, there's just different ways of like, if you look at mixed, it's just, just like you said, you want to attack pretty much any ball you can um, unless it's, you know, like Anna Lee or something, then you got to be a little, little, but uh, with, with that match, it was like, we just wanted to, dink middle and make every dink like any anytime we were in in trouble or any any sort of question we were just going to dink middle and some of our dinks middle were going like eight inches over the net like these were not great dinks but nothing was really happening and then a lot of times people were looking to i felt like they were trying to dink to me to then attack tyson mm-hmm. yeah. and um like things like that different like sort of dynamics like that um are stuff that you have to be aware of but in mixed, I feel like it's always just, you know, unless there's some sort of crazy circumstances, you're going to try to avoid, um, avoid attacking the man. Usually just attack the, fe- attack the female and just take as much court as you can comfortably take. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't really see that type of higher level stuff like that type of thinking. And I wasn't even aware of that type of thinking. Like people had said to me, oh, yeah, when you play. Matt and Riley, if if Riley's on the left and Matt's on the, the right, it's the same thing. It's like the middle dink is the safest dink. And mm-hmm. I was just, I wasn't even, like I was watching the matches, but I wasn't even thinking oh, yeah. of that stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, it's, especially with J-Dub and Dylan, that's, that's the safe place because, of course, J-Dub can, can attack out of the air with his forehand, but he much prefers to do it with his backhand. Uh, if you go out wide to either one, Dylan's forehand attack off the bounce is probably one of the best in the game. J-Dub's backhand attack out of the air is probably one of the best in the game. And neither one of them is terribly comfortable attacking from the middle. J-Dub will occasionally do it off the bounce with his forehand, but he doesn't love to. And Dylan isn't totally comfortable attacking backhands out of the air. He obviously can do it, but it's not one of his, his better places. So I totally agree with you. 
uh, that's a safe spot to go there. And the same thing with, with Matt and Riley. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think that's what makes men's cool because you can't, you can't really get away with, um, with stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, yeah. so me, me and Rob were talking about that. And, um, another thing that I like about Rob is, well, let me, let me ask you this. So mm -hmm. this is something that me and Anna were talking about. Um, so Rob, one thing that Rob did that was great was, so he was playing with Franklin's, right? The Boca tournament, you got to play with Franklin's. Mm -hmm. um, when we came to practice, when he came to practice with us, there was no mention of, can we all play with Franklin's? He was happy to play with Duras because, because it's everybody there was a PPA pro except for Rob. Mm -hmm. So he was, he wasn't going to make us play with Franklin's. Right. Right. And right. then we invited a couple other non PPA pros to practice with us on a different day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they came in, particularly one person actually was the, was the culprit here and said, you can say it. Oh, I don't know if I should, because this is, <laughs> this is a Selkirk podcast. This is a Fair Selkirk enough. podcast. Fair enough. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and they were like, um, so they said to me, to, you know, everybody there was a PPA pro except for them and, and Rob, they were like, let's play with Franklin's because we're playing with Franklin's this weekend. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to play with Franklin's. Mm -mm. I hate mm -hmm. Franklin's. And then, and every, and nobody seemed to have a problem with it except for me. Everybody's playing with Franklin's. And I thought I was crazy. Like, am I the only person that doesn't want to play with Franklin's? Cause this one person wants to play with Franklin's. Um, this is just a random tangent, but I guess what, what would you do if, um, or what would your take on that be? One person comes in and says, we're all going to play with Franklin's. Um, I guess that's a tough call. We, it, I guess it depends maybe when your tournament is, but I, I don't really, uh, they're just so different. I, I don't really like leading up to events playing with a different ball. And I mean, if it's whatever, three weeks out, who cares? But if it's even reasonably close, I like to play with the ball that I'm going to play with because I mean, it's way different. It's, it's way different. And I mean, everyone, especially everyone playing in your group is going to be a nice, talented player. Those little tiny tweaks or the those balls that, you know, stay in or go four inches out, like those are the adjustments that you're making. It's not like we're, I mean, we're you guys are at a level. It's not like you're just trying to hit the ball in. This is some pretty specific uh, stuff and you're trying to dial in, you know, big top spin attacks and whatever else. It's super important, in my opinion, to play with the right ball. So I don't know. I guess it gets a little dicey when you have a group, but I, I like playing with the ball that I'm going to be playing with at my next event. Uh, I think it's a big deal. Yeah. And I just, I just flat out don't like Franklin's. I mean, it's not my game. <laughs> it's really just not who I am as a player. You know, the Franklin's are just, Oh my gosh, they're so yeah. soft. It's yeah. uh yeah. But um, oh, speaking of that, the MLP was going to do uh they were going to do Dura balls or no, they were going to do MLP balls and then they switched it to Dura balls. Dura, right. Yeah, um, that's kind of interesting. I don't, did you ever try those or know anything about those MLP balls? Yeah, the du they're duper balls, actually. So, uh, yeah, they had the little duper insignia. So at the APP Punta Gorda, which my dang wife pulled me out of retirement, and I'm now she's playing MLP. I've been drilling with her. I mean, for a retired pickleball player, I've been playing a little too much, I think, James. But anyway, they so all the players that were drafted into MLP that were at that APP tournament they gave a package of the duper balls too. And basically the guy described it as when it's fresh, it's very similar to a Dura, but it softens up quicker than a Dura. So I think at the beginning it's Dura-ish. And then after whatever amount of play, it gets kind of Franklin-ish. So I played with them. I thought they played fine, but they are definitely softer than Duras, especially, you know, when you have, high level players whacking them around for, for 10 minutes or so. So uh, I, yeah, I thought they were fine, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I prefer the Dura to the Franklin definitely. Okay. Um, yeah. I thought that was a little weird going from like being, you know, cause I was thinking I got to try this, this ball and nobody had this Dura ball. So I had no chance to try it. And you know, MLP is a huge event and it's in a week. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of glad that they changed it because I liked Duras better and I didn't really want the change, but I was also a little like, okay, I mean, at least, at least stick to one thing, make a decision. Sure. sure. No, um, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's important stuff. You know, it's, uh, it's getting real out there. So these little things need, I mean, people are prepping, they're, they're doing their work, they're practicing leading up. I mean, I think to 
whatever the decision is to make that decision is important. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's tough for those guys. I got a lot of respect for that MLP crew. They, they have had a lot in their lap these, this last month or two. So, um, I know they're doing everything in their power to make it a good event. And that's just, it's just a lot for a short period of time. Yeah. And things have been, they've gotten a lot more professional too. I mean, mm-hmm. and in a situ in my situation, I've got the, uh, they've got us this crazily nice Airbnb. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't even remember the rate per night, but it was something that I would like never pay. It yeah. was like close to like, I mean, it was six bedrooms, six baths, like um, just a crazily nice place. And and Anna's team actually is booking them flights. They're leaving on Sunday. So they're going to get there five days before the event. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have their, you know, their flights paid for their hotel pl- paid for maybe a rental car. I, I don't know. Um, so it's, yeah, it's definitely getting a lot more. I think somebody said that Rob has like a chef. Yeah, the Rob's Rob and Corinne are on the same team, and um, they have that they got them an Airbnb, uh, chef, and S- and an SUV to drive them to the events and stuff. I mean, that's legit, man. That's legit. That's legit. You got a chef? <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, and and they're gonna have a documentary team following uh th- that team around. Uh, I believe it's. God, I can't even remember it. Uh, New New Jersey. I, uh, dang it. Here, let me look real fast. Oh, the Brooklyn Aces. That's right. Because Corinne's pregnant. So they think that's a good storyline. So they're going to follow, follow. Um, I think there's four documentary teams that are going to follow around uh, some individual players and some teams. And I mean, that's cool. That's good stuff. It, it is getting, it's getting more real and more official and, and more, you know, like you're a professional athlete, which you are. Yeah, I mean it's kind of crazy to say because I don't really consider myself to be that incredible of an athlete, but uh, you know, I'm uh, it's it's pretty awesome, I would say. Uh, just, just be tall and have heavy hands, man. That's all you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get down to the stuff that uh, I, Anna Anna told me she was like James, you probably shouldn't talk about this on your podcast. Well, you probably. I'm going to just talk about it. It's not that big of a deal. So the MLP groups came out. Uh-huh. Um, so you, I don't know if you, you saw the group A, group B, group C. I have, yes. Okay. So I think it'd be a fun thing for us to predict. the two. So two people come out of each group? Correct. That's okay. right. So it'll I, be six total come out. Uh, two teams will have a bye. And then those other four teams will play for the second two semifinal spots. Got it. Okay. Right. So do you want to predict the teams that will go or the two teams that will advance from each group? Well, sure, we can do that. You just got to tell me who it is. I actually got them listed down here somewhere. But yeah, you can you can tell me. And then I, I pretty much remember all the teams, uh, but you might have to refresh my memory a little bit. OK, OK, so we'll do. I don't know if I, we should do my group first. Let's do group group C first. Let me see here. I'm gonna look up. Okay, yes, I got, I got, the, I got the teams right here. So, okay, yeah, tell, tell me the grouping. Okay, so group, um, group C is ATX Pickleballers, Seattle, Las Vegas Night Owls, and the New York Hustlers. New York Hustlers. Okay, okay, the Las Vegas Night Owls, which is. Okay, that's that, that's that's the Vivian David Deckel Bar Lauren Stratman Kyle Yates team. Yep. And I think that they are uh they're they're that team that is just solid throughout. So we we talked about this the other day on the It Feels Right podcast that there's several teams that are kind of top heavy and then maybe leave a little bit to be desired on the back end of their picks and then there's some teams that are very uniform throughout. And I think that this is one that absolutely qualifies as as solid throughout uh the hustlers is uh anna's team anna tyson rafa hewitt and Lacey schneeman solid solid team as well and what are the other two um seattle so that's ben's team or colin's brother's team sorry yes (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's fine you can say whatever you want to that's more of an it feels right podcast thing (laughs) (laughs) um Yes, that's that's a very good team as well. I got I got to take them. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Edda Wright. I think she has some some strong upside. And uh, you know, I was 
I was happy to get two very, I mean, I feel like I have two top five men on my team and Riley and AJ, but for sure, when you, when you go strong and you take those men at the beginning and then you see like Tyler Lung and Thomas Wilson going in the last five picks of the draft, it kind of hurts your heart a little bit. So um, I think that, um, yeah, to get Tyler Lung that late, obviously have, have been and, um, and Edda Wright, and I don't even know. Oh, uh, Megan Dizon, I believe, is the other yeah. player on that team. Yep. That, that's a quality squad. I got. I got to have them advancing. And uh, what was the fourth team again? Um, ATX Pickleballers. So J Dub, Jade Kamoto, Jackie Kamoto, and Gabe Tardio. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have them not going, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Hustlers. I'll, I'll take I'll take Anna's team. And I, I'd put the Anna team and the Deckel team neck and neck, and I'll just give a slight, I'll give a slight edge to to Anna's team because she's a champion. The energy on that team is going to be <laughs> for sure. That that would that would that would be a pretty good team to to kind of follow around with documentary yeah. style for sure too. So uh, yeah. yeah. Flop that mullet out, Tyson. Let's see it, baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of feel the same way. I think that the best team in that group's got to be Ben's team mm -hmm. just cause Ben, I mean, they, they somehow of course Ben Ben finagled it so that he's got like a top five men's team and, and right. then he's also got the strong women. So, um, yeah, de definitely. I, right. I would say, I would say Dizon. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that she's the wild card and if she plays well, whoo, that's, that's going to be a tough team. If she struggles a little bit, uh, I know she has amazing shot making and great power, but uh, occasionally has some inconsistencies in her game. If she plays well, that's going to be a very tough team to beat. Yeah, and it's going to be it's going to be tough to find Tyler even in the dink exchanges, just because Ben is going to take seventy percent of the court, and then Tyler's earning earning the other thirty percent. Um, right, and and he he doesn't do a lot with his dinks, but he doesn't really miss dinks. So I think it's a it's it's a solid matchup, and. Uh, yeah, they're 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 both big time veterans. They know know each other's game well, and uh, yeah, I I have no doubt. Even though she's pretty new, that Edda is going to be what she is, and that's very good. O only real wild card on the team is Megan Dizon, in my opinion. So, what do you think about Ben not taking Colin <laughs> in the fourth? Oh no, I, I think it's the right pick. Uh, Ben's he's very analytical. He's he he's he's a smart guy and he he understands that any 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 gain sorry something in my eye any gain that he's getting in men's being so comfortable with his brother that you got to give the edge to Tyler Loom in mixed and in singles and so i think for the team construction it made a lot of sense uh to do that and also uh I believe that Etta is much more comfortable on that left side. So it's yeah. a nice pairing uh, with Tyler Loom there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Colin, he, he used to play some pretty high-level singles back in the day. Absolutely. And I saw him at the Bubbly Championships play a pretty nice left side mixed. But I do have to give Tyler Loom the edge in, the, in, in those two formats for sure. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I just thought it was kind of funny too. Like, just... Yeah, of course, of course it's funny. I mean, <laughs> and the thing is, is I think he picked it like instantly too. Like yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't like he waffled back and forth. Oh, should I take my brother? It was like, like, like the they went on the to the next pick, and he's like Tyler Lung. <laughs> oh, so that's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yep. So okay, we we pretty much agree there. Um, what do you think about um my group? Oh, this is pretty obvious in my opinion. But uh, Group A, you got Milwaukee, St. Louis formerly Cabo Vamos, I guess. Oh, and... okay. So I, I would put Cabo Vamos last. Me too. <laughs> uh, Mil Milwaukee is a good team. Milwaukee is oh, yeah. a good, Milwaukee is a good team. Like where's the weakness? You know, I guess you can maybe get some sporadic play from DJ. You know, that as being on his team, but when he's playing well, he's ridiculously good. So, and then to pair him with, someone you might think being a giant six, five Romanian that he might be a high upside up and down player. Andre Deescu is a rock. So, yeah. so to put DJ with that rock and then, you know, ha have the super comfortable team of Callie Smith and Lucy Kovalova for the women. I think that's a very quality squad. And 
uh, not a lot of holes or, or, or places to pick with that team. Yeah, I don't know how that even happened. I mean, that team is like almost like how how DJ fell that far, how Diescu fell that far. Right. That's what I another example of Shocking. taking two guys early and then seeing these dudes in the last round go. I was just like, oh man, it hurts. I mean, it hurts. It's like I like our strategy, I like our team, but you know, that's a lot of value to be getting at, in the last round of the draft, you know? Yeah, I don't even no, oh, sorry, my uh, computer. Oh, and you're. Oh, yeah, and you're with Annalie, Leia, and Hayden. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, me, Annalie, Leia, Hayden. I think, I think we're pretty good. Um, I don't know how good. Uh, like, I mean, me and Hayden are just gonna. It's gonna be tough. I'm gonna have to. We're gonna have to just play balls to the wall, just rip everything, and just trust our hands and see how that goes. That's because that's always a great men's strategy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. We we just talked about that, James. It's perfect. But the thing is, I'm not sure you need to win. You just need to tie. You just exactly. need to tie, and then I like your chances uh, pr- pretty good. So that I think that's a cool part about MLP. Obviously, singles is important, but no one really knows how important it is. Like, there's not enough of a sample size of like matches going to dream breakers and then this and that and whatever, especially with the switching of the format and some of the different freezes and stuff. So I think that's one of the cool things about MLP is that no, no one really knows what the optimal team construction is or like exactly what is, is, is the way to go in terms of like percentages and numbers. So, but yeah, we'll see. Maybe, maybe only a few go to dream breakers, maybe over half of them go to dream breakers. We'll just, we'll just have to see. Yeah, I mean, that could be a good strategy for us. Just just win women's. We got to win women's. And then we, me and Anna Lee, win mixed. And then we just punt the other two events. And then we just... Yeah, right. Whatever. Just yeah. play, play some singles. Absolutely. Some singles. I mean, Absolutely. I think it's... I mean, I think it's pretty clear that you have the one and the two uh, best women's singles players. And then, obviously, yourself and, uh, and Hayden are very competent. Uh, as well so that's yeah that's a very very tough singles team for sure and what what was the what was the fourth team uh blqk another good singles team blqk oh that's the coop dylan frazier federico and maggie brasha okay okay yeah Yeah, i'll I'll give uh, cabo vamos uh, the st louis team definitely number four i'll put you and blqk pretty close but i'll give you guys the edge and then i'll have i'll have the mashers in, in the top spot in that group uh but yeah that, I, th- I think that's that's a fair assessment yeah i think that's fair i mean it's tough because with the with milwaukee versus us i mean we could be a good matchup just because we're such a huge favorite in that dream breaker because that's not a mm-hmm. dream breaker team at all and um if we it win women's not, it is not yeah, if we win women's and then we win, me and Annalie win mixed. It's over. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, screw it. I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I'll take you guys over them. Just what a great just from guess. The, just from the just from the Annalie factor. Like she's just like the gap. There's no like if you go down the list of the top twenty four. Like there's no like really the only huge gap is probably Annalie and number two. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah, you I get know. deeper into the 24 men and women, they're just little small gaps. Everyone's really good. You know, obviously some people are a little bit better than other ones, but she's just, she's disgusting. I mean, it's yeah. ridiculous. There's no weaknesses. Yeah. There's nothing to pick on. And she can play all the sides, all the events, uh, just kudos to her. I think maybe having her on, on your, your guys team uh, just puts you over the top. Maybe. I mean, it's, I'll tell you what, if if me and her lose mixed, we know whose fault it is. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, you said it, not me. <laughs> I actually forgot that you were um you're you're with the hard eights in some capacity. You're like the general manager of that team. Yeah, so, so I would say probably a little bit more team coach. Um definitely uh the the hard eights owner is very competent in terms of decision making and you know, kinda player evaluations and stuff so I obviously helped with that and with some of my rankings and some of uh, some of the players but um I I will be doing the commentary 
uh, all four days. So I'm not going to be able to be on the sidelines with them for a lot of their matches, which is a little bit sad, but I'm excited to have a couple team practices before the event and kind of formulate a kind of, you know, basic skeleton game plan against the teams in our group. Uh, once you get on the court, of course, you know, things can change pretty quickly, but just to have a little idea of a couple general go-to uh, strategies going into it, I think kind of helps if you run into some adversity. Who is the guy that's going to replace Riley? If you can, if you can tell me that. Oh, uh, we, we don't, we won't know till Thursday night. Whoa. Yeah. You so how, how, yeah, how it works. Yeah. How it works, James is so the challenger league will be playing on Thursday, 12 teams. Half of those teams will be eliminated by Thursday night. And we get to pick from the 12 guys that are on those eliminated teams. Exactly. Okay. Okay. That's actually pretty good. I, I was afraid it'd be like somebody that was not in the challenger league or the premier. Like, I, I don't know how it was going to work like some random free agent, but that's a good outcome. Yeah. So we, we knew that going into the draft and the, the, the hard eights owner, Timothy parks, he, he, he likes to, I mean, they're the hard eights. They like to gamble. So yeah. uh, if we would have had to pick someone higher than 48 so basically you know the 10 people after that didn't get drafted I, I don't think we could have made that move to get Riley but the fact that we will have a pretty solid competent replacement kind of put a put, put us over the top to, to gamble uh on Riley even though you know he's not going to be there for that first event yeah and that'll be I mean you got Rob Pat Smith um thinking of good men's players probably not probably. Pablo Stefan Hunter Johnson uh there's a couple more I'm missing I know I have to I have my sheet I have to look at it but I don't, I don't know. know I mean Hunter I, I played some rec with him in uh like a couple days ago he's got a long way to go in doubles man <laughs> I, I I'm with you I, I I don't uh he's obviously incredibly good at singles and beast, uh beast at singles but I'm with you I I yeah, I think I think the Johnsons are are probably uh, a tier below in in uh, doubles from where they are in singles. Both very good at singles, so I'm I'm with you there. Uh, I thought I played with Hunter Johnson on the Jackrabbits uh, last year on the last event, and I thought we played pretty well, and I thought he played well. But it seems like often when he has a decent result, he, he maybe, he maybe takes a step back in the next couple tournaments. Uh, so yeah, who, who knows? Still, still fresh, lots of talent in his paddle, but uh, I think he does, he does need some work on, on, on that doubles game, especially men's. Yeah. Yeah. Men's is, I mean, obviously that's the thing that comes last. Yeah. Um, all right. So lastly, the final group is your team, the smash the team that I like uh, the mad drops and clean cause so i believe let me look real fast i believe i had clean cause uh last oh yeah clean cause that's matt wright um not a good matt, team. you said that is their team or no matt no, wright no, no, no. i'm saying it's not a good team <laughs> yeah matt wright zay navratil um yana Gretchkina, and I can't remember the last one, but Lena Lena Pedega Lena Pedegamaite. You like that? That was a good one, huh? Uh, <laughs> so uh, yes, I think that that is basically, in my opinion, a team that is very much structured like our team. But I like our guys a good bit better in uh, yeah. Riley and AJ than Zane and Matt. So uh, obviously, great players, and I, from what I've heard, I have not been able to see her play a lot lately. But I've heard that Yana's kind of stepped up her game a little bit uh, these last few months. So maybe they could they, they could surprise some people. Uh, I think Lena and Zane had a pretty solid run at this past PPA, maybe settling in the fifth, sixth spot or possibly fourth, some, something along those lines. So, yeah, may, maybe on paper I would put them fourth. But I, I, st I do think that they have a couple reasons to think that they could overperform in the tournament. So they do. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess without Riley, I'll, I'll just put us third, even though I think that if we get a good replacement, we can be very, very relevant. Um, I think so, yes, too. I do like the Florida Smash. Obviously, their ladies are spectacular with uh, Jesse Irvin and Georgia Johnson. 
and we'll see exactly what happens. I, I, I'm pretty sure Travis Rettenmeyer wants to be that left side guy. So um, I, I, I would assume, obviously, that's what they're going to do in men's. Um, and then Colin, yeah, Colin could possibly play right and mixed with Lena. Lena loves, no, no, wait, 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 Georgia. that's a different team. That's a different team. That's a different team, right. So uh, Colin, I've seen, I've seen Colin play decent mix on right and left. So I think he's flexible in that regard. So that, that's a tough team. When you, when you have ladies like that, you know, they, they could carry you to the promised land for sure. Yeah, I, I think the same thing. Um, I mean, that's also a tough men's team because Travis is playing really well. And yeah. Colin is obviously really good. Um, okay, so I've got one more question for you. Okay. Because if there's one thing I've noticed about your game, I don't think I've ever seen you not get to the kitchen. I've never <laughs> seen you not get to the kitchen. And oh. I watched you. I've, I've watched a ton of you play. Like I watched you in Deckel um, a lot. Um, I didn't get to see any of you and Hunter at the uh, at the MLP, but um, either way, you're getting up to the kitchen. And if there's one thing that's the weakest part of my game, it is getting up to the kitchen. Hey, when we, I'm up there, I'm pretty yeah. good. Hey, if I we can... combine forces, we would might be the best in the world because I get lit up when I get to the kitchen. <laughs> well, they'll return everything to me. <laughs> it was oh man, it was hilarious this this past PPA tournament. Lindsay and and Tyson hit a combined like five thirds every single return went to me it it just makes me feel like oh my gosh just gets me tight because it's like i know i'm getting targeted i drop i'm just like i just make it yeah just make it yeah so i think yeah i think hunter and i made it to the kitchen more frequently than any team in major league pickleball and i was actually i think i was 32 of 32 on fifth shots on fifths yeah. So, but once we got to the kitchen, uh, I, yeah, well, once we got to the kitchen, our percentages were a little bit lower. So that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of a part of my game. I don't really miss, I don't really give anything away, but sometimes when I get, uh, get up heads up against a tough player, I struggle a little bit to, you know, to, to, to handle the pace and, and get lit up a little bit. So I think a lot of that has to do with, I'm very, very comfortable. Uh, I think I'm probably one of the best players at short hopping. So half volleys and short hopping. And I think that that obviously is a good skill set to have when you're moving forward and people are targeting your feet. So um, I think that that helps me a lot um, getting to the kitchen. But at the same time, basically, once I get to the kitchen, I have pretty good power on my shots and my counterattacks, but I have to swing bigger. Like Deckel and, you know, some of you guys that have that easy power with the short stroke, I just don't have that. So I can hit it a similar type ball to you guys, but I have a bigger swing and my timing has to be very good. So if my timing's off a little bit with those bigger swings, sometimes it gets me in trouble uh, in the hands battles and the counterattacking. So that's kind of how I see it. So do you have any, like, did you ever do any drills as far as like transition game, anything outside of just like hitting regular drops? Oh, right. No, definitely. So, I mean, the first six months I was playing like just a ton of skinny singles. So just a ton of skinny singles. And uh, there is some pitfalls with that as often you don't want to get too locked in counter or locked in attacking cross court. You know, if the ball goes up shoulder high or above, you know, do whatever the hell you want to. But creating offense from your midsection and going cross court is difficult against good players. So that's really the only one of the only bad things about skinny singles. But the good thing is you get a ton of touches, a lot of touches on your thirds, a lot of touches in the transition area. So I think that that helped a lot. Uh, Used to do a lot of training with Tyson. And we would just, you know, we just grind skinny singles game and get in a bunch of touches. And I think that that helped a lot. Who usually won most of those games? Um, I would probably say I had a slight edge, but I, I'm not exactly sure. I, it was pretty close to 50-50. Uh, Tyson, Tyson doesn't do a lot of missing. He's not, he's not into the missing. He's, he's pretty damn solid. And so we had some, we had some pretty crazy battles uh, given that, you know, there's only so much you can do and skinny singles. You don't have the like 
the court space to work with. So you kind of have to go through the guy and that's, you know, that's not always easy, especially if he's a consistent player. Yep. Okay. Um, all right. So you would say that skinny singles is probably a better way to drill or work on like getting up to the kitchen instead of just going out there, hitting a bunch of drops. Like you think it's like a, yeah, like but, a point yeah I, I think both is good, but in, in the point, like in the point, in the moment, I, I think, yeah, that's what you do. You probably, you go out there and you find a rhythm with your, your partner hitting cooperatively to you. And then you add the stress and you try to hold that consistency. You know what I'm saying? So you yeah. add, you add the stretch stress of point play. And, and I think that that helps a lot. So like my first year, year and a half, I was just trying to get as many touches as possible. And once I kind of developed all the shots that I wanted, then I started kind of like thinking about implementation frequencies how often you get a couple tricks in, in your tool bag that kind of thing so early on touches 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 get that feel uh and and then you can start getting a little more specific with your your patterns and, and some uh, some other offensive shots in my opinion okay and last last question i know this is kind of boring but oh, no this is uh, dude, i'll talk about pickleball all damn day james i don't care okay. Okay. <laughs> so when you hit a reset like like a fifth shot or like a seventh shot because my, my third shot's actually not that bad. Mm -hmm. um, but like, so I'll hit the third shot. And if it's a little high, I feel like I'm just screwed because my, my fifth shot, and my seventh shot are just pretty weak. Like, I just don't feel comfortable. Um, I don't know, like just that sort of like defensive component of it. Right, right. Um, when you have like a fifth or like a seventh shot, are you, how high over the net are you aiming? Are you trying to like drop it in or are you kind of, focusing on low over the net and if they volley it it's okay well well basically i i go for extreme safety because i am very comfortable in the midcourt if if i was a little less comfortable i would probably have less shape to my ball have a little bit more risk but be able to get all the way in more frequently so i actually have a good bit of shape to my ball and if i don't make it all the way in i don't care because i'm very i feel very comfortable hitting the next one or the next one and then getting forward. So I think that uh, Corinne, when we play mixed together, she doesn't love it when I have all that shape because often they go at her. And so, um, so sometimes in mixed, I go for a little bit more aggressive, a little more linear on my third and my fifth shot so that my partner is comfortable uh, and, and can make it to the kitchen line. And if I'm, you know, if I'm playing with Tyson or I'm playing with someone who is very solid in the midcourt or a uh, Deckel who, you know, might be kamikazeing in with that big backhand after one of my drops, then I, I'm going to go as safe as possible and, uh, and have as much shape and, and net clearance as I can. If I'm whatever, if my hands are off that day and my midcourt play is poor, I'll probably take a little bit more risk with that shot and not put myself in, in such a tough position. Okay, because I, I felt like my – so everybody returned to me when I played with Tyson. And, uh -huh. like, my thirds would be a little bit too high, mm -hmm. and they would bounce. Like, sometimes they would bounce. Like, Federico was basically letting them bounce, mm -hmm. and then he would have this forehand that was, like, right at net height. Right. And he would just kill it at Tyson. Right. And it was putting Tyson in a tough spot um, because, you know, it's just – it's tough. Like, you're running in and, and – uh, yeah, so I was I was thinking I was like, should I put should I put slice on on my drops more or should I keep them in front of me more? Cuz let's say like hypothetically if I'm playing with Tyson, we would rather have me get attacked straight on than Tyson get attacked with me going cross. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So I should probably drop down the line more frequently. Um uh, I think, I mean, that, that definitely gives him a little bit more time, but I, I think maybe you just kind of focus on which opponent that you're up against, because I think a lot of people are really good at that. And then some, okay, say for instance, a lot of people, when you're dropping third, fifths and sevenths, they're, they're trying to poke it out of the air. Yeah. And when you're playing someone that likes to take it out of the air, being a little safer and softer and landing it more shallow, I think is good. But if you're playing like a Zane Navratil, a Connor Garnett, a Federico who loves it when that ball bounces up and they take a full stroke at it, I think you kind of, 
go a little more linear and push that ball a little deeper into the kitchen and kind of force them to take it out of the air a little bit, if that makes sense. Yes. So, um, you know, I think the general mindset is do whatever you can to not let them hit that ball out of the air. But if someone is so good off the bounce and and they have that ball that's belt high and they're just taking a full stroke with topspin at it, push it a little deeper and force them to take it out of the air and don't don't give them that opportunity. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause yeah, man, when we played when we played J Dub and Dylan, I could not get up to the kitchen. Like it was just frustrating. Cause I am I think when I'm at the kitchen, I mean I've hit so many dinks. Like I'm actually pretty good at like uh like my backhand cross court dink is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um I'm pretty tough to attack. I think at the kitchen I'm I'm one of the better players, but getting up there is just oh man. Hey. Court time, man. You're still fresh. You got time. Get those touches in, brother. Get those touches in. Absolutely. It makes sense though. Like if I'm if I'm gonna drop to J Dub, maybe a little safer, just make it bounce. Cause if it bounces, we're pretty much safe. But if yeah. I drop to Dylan, maybe a little more linear to his back end. Yeah, I mean dub, man, it's just it's just so short and flicky and he just takes control. I mean, he's real similar. Uh, and and I, I do think he's better out of the air with it for sure. So I think maybe Ben, he takes control with those fourth, six and eights, probably one of the best part of his game, but he does it both out of the air and on the bounce. I think it's significantly better for J-Dub out of the air. So, yeah. um, yeah, no, I mean, just, yeah, tinker with it. I think it's opponent dependent and I'll get in a lot of situations where I'm more aggressive with those shots. And then I'll be, if say, if, I'm feeling good in the midcourt. My opponent's not making me pay. I'm going to be safe at <laughs> to not miss. Uh, but if they're if they're hurting me and my you know risk reward is is good for them going for it, I'm going to have to give them a little bit of a different ball to to not allow them to do that to me. So yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's not easy. That midcourt stuff isn't isn't you know you're not the only one. It's it's the issue. Like I said, I need some. I'll t- share share some of those heavy hands with me, and I'll give you some of that downy soft midcourt touch. <laughs> That's that makes sense though. Okay, that's good. Yeah, because I got to figure this out. Because every return, I mean, again, then again though, like my drops are probably going to get good just because everybody's returning to me. It's like <laughs> right, yeah, you're getting your touches. So, yeah. uh, how much how much were you driving with Tyson? Not too often. Uh, well, against Federico and Pablo, a little more often, just because I'm more confident in it. So, okay. um. Like I would just get tight and I'd be like, ah, screw it. I'll just drive, you know, because I I don't want to miss the drop. But then, I mean, ultimately against, against Dylan and J-Dub, they punish their fourths. Yeah. Absolutely punish their fourths. So if you drive and it's not perfect, it's going to be tough. Um, I I think that that's one of the more underrated shots in pickleball. And one of the more important shots that doesn't get talked about a lot is fourth, six and eights and keeping like big time pressure not allowing your your opponents to get forward. You, I mean, everyone always talks about the third shot and then the transition zone and whatever. The big force, heavy force, I mean, it's a big deal and it really sets up the rest of the point when you can put that pressure. So uh, very, very important part of the game. And it's not like it's totally looked over, just sometimes you don't hear it talked about too much. Yeah, no, I'm actually, I'm working on something like that too, where I... If I have like a fourth that's at my forehand side, like my forehand volley, instead of just like trying to rip it and it's like here, I'm actually kind of getting lower with my legs mm-hmm. and being able to take like a sidearm Ooh, I like that a overhead lot. swing and just killing yeah. it. Yeah, I, I, I'm all about that. That loose arm and you can kind of slap it. One of the advantages of being short, <laughs> I, I can I can hit you know, more of this type of shot uh, as opposed to stroking it. So I think that that's super important. And a lot of people don't do it where they get the ball at their midsection. Of course, they're going to roll that ball. But some people, when it gets shoulder and above, they still stroke it. Slap, slap that thing. Use that loose arm. Punish that ball. I don't Once that goes up here, don't don't stroke it. You, you don't need topspin at that point. Slap the shit out of it. I think that's the best way to go. And, that's, and, you know, a lot of people do it, but a lot of people don't as well. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for coming on, Adam. This hey, James, was- I got, I got, I got, so I need to toot my own horn. Every podcast, okay. I have to toot my own horn. So okay. I got one question for you, James. If you, because I got to, I got to say stuff like this because I'm retired. People are going to forget. We can't have that, James. If okay. you had to okay. guess in my pickleball career, how many times combined in tournament play I have beaten 
Tyson, Riley, and Ben, what would you say? In doubles only? Uh, this is, yeah, du yeah, doubles, doubles and, and singles, even though singles is only one match, but, uh, so mostly doubles. Yeah. Uh, 10, 36. Whoa. That's a lot. 36. So that's a lot. That's everyone guesses low. So that's my fun question to ask, but okay. James people, you guys can't be forgetting about this. This is important stuff. Important who stuff. was the, <laughs> who was the guy you beat the most? Oh, definitely Tyson. Really? I, Oh uh, yeah, but but I've also played I've played Tyson just in men's doubles. I've played Tyson twenty nine times. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh wow! So I have a I have a pretty reasonable. I, I I mean I have several wins over Ben, but the percentage is low as shit. Like I'm probably like seven and thirty or some seven and thirty five or something like that against Ben, but fairly close against Riley and Tyson. We had we had a pretty solid rivalry. Deckel and my and myself versus versus Tyson and Riley. We always ended up to seemed that we played each other at some point in the draw. So, uh, yeah, crazy sample size though to to probably have played those three guys like sixty or seventy somewhere between sixty and seventy five times. Some crazy. That's 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 a lot. Wow, maybe more, 30? maybe even more to be honest. <laughs> probably a hundred <laughs> times combined. So, well, yeah, wild stuff. Yeah. Well, I will tell my friends that stat. I will Absolutely. use that stat. They have hey, to you can, hey, you can if you if you come across, you know, a higher up at Tennis Channel or you know uh, the the talent uh, the talent selector for PPA, you go ahead and squeeze that in. That you and Anna think I'm the best commentator. Uh, that's that's fantastic. I wouldn't be upset about that at all, James. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll consider that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, man. All right. Well, uh, good talking to you. Thanks for coming on. Great as always, best commentator in the game. And, <laughs> Let's yeah. go! Yeah. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, this was a, this was a lot of fun, and we'll see you in a week, buddy. Yep. See you soon. Good luck.